Hey folks, welcome back to the Ruby Dev Summit. I am your host, Charles Maxwood, and we are going to talk a little bit about the Ruby programming language today. Now, we've talked about community. We've talked about um, the learning resources and media resources. We've talked about uh, all kinds of different things coming in the Ruby programming language as far as what platforms it can run on. And now uh, let, let's just dive into the language itself, right? And so there are a whole bunch of things that have come out lately with the Ruby 3.3 and 3.2. Um, I think the thing that most people are most excited about are just the performance upgrades that come uh, with Ruby. So let's talk about a few of those. Um, one of the biggies is actually the just-in-time compiler or the JIT. Um, you'll hear people talk about YJIT. That's the just-in-time compiler that is built into Ruby. Um, incidentally, I just installed Ruby 3.3 on my machine, and uh, it kept failing. <laughs> so I had to figure out what the problem was. Uh, turns out you need Rust to compile Ruby these days. So uh, that's just a heads up if you're getting into that, but it's pretty darn fast. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. It's it's awesome. Um, but yeah, diving in. So what what is a JIT? What is a Justin Time Compiler? Well, I put out a short on some of the Ruby Rogues extras where I talked about what a JIT or Just-in-Time Compiler is. But effectively, what it does is it takes stuff that you run a lot in Ruby and it compiles it down to machine language so that it can actually run it faster every time it runs it's right. So um, let's say that you're running through a loop and you're gonna run through it a million times after the first, I don't know, a few hundred times, I think it is. Um, it'll actually pick that loop up and it'll compile it down so that it can run it natively on your machine, kind of like C and Rust and those kinds of languages do it, which is way cool and it makes it way faster. So that's just one thing to keep in mind. Um, now the JIT is turned on um, you can turn it on with a flag in Ruby 3.2. You can turn it on at runtime in 3.3. And so if you want to run it, or if you are using a, a gem or language or framework or something like that, that decides that it wants or needs it, then it can actually turn it on for you if you're running uh, Ruby 3.3. And it looks like uh, some of the more upcoming versions of Rails are going to actually take advantage of that and turn it on. So pretty excited about that. That's cool stuff. Um, another thing that we talked about uh, is the um, parser, the prism parser. Um, I couldn't get Kevin Newton to come. Uh, there, there was some uh, deal with um, making sure that it, it worked out for his work, and there just wasn't enough time to make them comfortable with him doing an interview. So, um, but yeah, he's been writing a whole bunch of stuff on his blog. And anyway, uh, just just awesome, awesome stuff coming out with the prism parser. Um, apparently, it's faster. It's cleaner, it does a whole bunch of stuff, and um, it's more fault tolerant, which means that if you write syntax problems uh, into your Ruby code, it will pick them up and it handles them better. But what's really interesting about the Prism parser in particular is that it is a parser that can be used for other projects like Opal or Ruby Wasm or um, Truffle Ruby or some of the other uh, Ruby interpreters out there, right? And so if you're running Ruby that's not Ruby Ruby, maybe it's JRuby, right? It, all of these languages can take advantage of it and uh, parse in a nice, clean, aw awesome, automated way. But another thing that comes out of it is that one of the things that we use Ruby for fairly often on our development machines is uh, programming language services. So for example, if you're using Visual Studio Code or RubyMine or something like that, then it actually runs Ruby on the side and it 
is consistently talking to that Ruby VM and making sure that the stuff that you send to it is valid Ruby. And so that's why you get the little syntax highlighting, the little, I don't know what it is, the little line that goes under, you know, the syntax issues and stuff like that. Um, so when it highlights them, what it's done is it's taken the code in your file and it's handed it off to the parser and the parser parses it and then hands back, hey, this is valid, this isn't valid. And apparently the prison parser does that a lot better. And so it's a lot cleaner as far as picking up issues within your uh, Ruby code and getting that back to you in a timely and accurate manner. And so that's that's way awesome. Um, it does a whole bunch of other things as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm really, really excited about that. Um, another one is I talked to Sam Williams about the async uh, library and uh, fiber schedulers and the Falcon um, web server. And so a lot of that speaks to specifically the performance of Ruby and the concurrency models that Ruby's able to execute. And it makes things a whole lot faster without having to like optimize every little tiny piece of the programming language because it allows you to do multiple things at the same time on a machine in a more efficient way. And so anyway, um, our ability to be able to uh, run things in parallel and to do better work in Ruby and get things done more quickly is is enhanced by those kinds of advantages and uh, things upcoming. And then also talk to um, Jeremy Evans about some of the stuff that he's been doing with the Ruby programming language. And specifically, he talked about how Ruby allocates arrays. And so if there's a, any kind of list of anything, uh, a lot of times, I guess, Ruby will break up the array and store it across the heap instead of storing it in one continuous part of the heap and it might allocate things multiple times and things like that. He explains it much better in, in the interview, so go check it out. And so anyway, he breaks down how he's put that together so that it does fewer allocations and more efficient allocations. And then when it goes to clean up, then it can do less work that way. And that also enhances performance because the garbage collector doesn't have to run as long and because Ruby is more memory efficient. So anyway, tons and tons and tons of stuff. Um, another one that I talked to, uh, Sotaro Matsumoto, um, and he's been working on RBS or Ruby types, uh, or types in the Ruby language. Um, and so we went into all of that and what it means. And, uh, I, I'm, I have to admit, I'm not completely sold on types or type annotations in Ruby, but at the same time, I mean, there are a lot of people out there doing TypeScript because it helps eliminate certain classes of bugs. And so I can understand the attraction if you're consistently running into those. And I still think that in Ruby, the most common error is the type error. This function doesn't exist in nil, or this method doesn't exist on nil. And so you look at that and you go, okay, well, maybe if we could eliminate a whole bunch of those, we'd have better, more reliable programs. And hmm, maybe. Um but there are other ways to infer types if you look at type prof and other things. So, but anyway, he dives into that and he talks about some of those uh, differences between the two philosophies that I kind of outlined and why it may or may not make sense under one circumstance or another and what, what's been done there. So if you're interested in Ruby types, def definitely check that off or check that out. I talked to Stephen Markheim about uh, SQLite on Rails and, and SQLite and Ruby, um, which isn't directly the programming language, but again, you know, it comes back to these options that we have on how and where we run Ruby. And so, so that's all very, very exciting. 
And then, you know, another engine that's out there is Dragon Ruby. And I talked about it in the platforms discussion that I had a few days ago, but it's also a Ruby engine that runs on the mobile and does its thing there. And so um, that and Ruby Wasm and, and the opportunities that come out of that are just, anyway, very, very exciting stuff. So if you want to dive into some of the uh, performance stuff, or if you want to dive into some of the uh, language feature stuff that is coming out, then definitely check those out. Uh, again, those are the talks by uh, Yuta Saito for Ruby Wasm, um, for Samuel Williams with Async and Falcon, um, Jeremy Evans, where he talked about the allocation stuff and gems and SQL and Rhoda and all that good stuff. And then Sotoro Matsumoto. Uh, talking about RBS and typing. So anyway, uh, today's talks are going to be Alex Rudall uh, talking about the OpenAI gem and stuff like that that he's doing. Uh, Jeremy Evans, like I said, uh, wrote a sequel and performance. Uh, Sotoro Matsumoto is today. Um, he's talking about RBS and the typing system. Uh, Andy Mala talking about Glimmer and Glimmer UI, um, which incidentally is also running Ruby on the desktop. And Jason Sweat. Uh, from Code with Jason and Since the Ruby. So if you're if you're into all that, check it out. If you want the talks from from the last few days, you can get them by signing up for Ruby Bits, Rails Clips, or a combo of both. And uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, meeting up with you all as time goes on and keep an eye out for things. I'm also going to really briefly tease that I am working with Alex Alex Rudall to put together an OpenAI. Uh, five day Ruby challenge. And so if you want to check that out, go to five day ruby.com and we will have that all available so that you can sign up for the challenge. And then if you're looking to get into some of that AI or AI tooling from OpenAI, we'll definitely do that. Um, I'm also talking to a few other people about other options, either within the AI space or with building SaaS. So uh, we'll do other challenges uh, going forward. But that's what I've got for today. So until next time, max out.